3: Thanks for hanging out. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, plenty of basketball to get into. We'll uh, check in with Jacob Padilla next hour. His thoughts on the Big Red, the race in the Big Ten. And, you know, where can Nebraska climb ladder-wise with Big Ten basketball? The mayor and company, man, they got a, a squad what damage can they do? Plenty of football on our minds. Mike Babcock will join us. Hailvarcity.com and Magazine. Get his thoughts on Nebraska as they are set for game number four against the Illini. So we'll talk to Babbers in about 20 minutes. Mike Schuart's with us. Shuey, Wilderness Ridge. And uh, what a impressive Masters by DJ. Shuey called that. Uh, Shuey calls a lot of things right, but Shuey called DJ as the guy he liked, and uh, of course Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider, Mr. College Football with ESPN in one hour. Numbers to get in, 466 466 800-825-5865. So, you know, Nebraska's going to have their, their little bubble tournament uh, next week, and Uh, You know, the Hoiberg said that he's feeling pretty good about Nebraska and Creighton this year, which is good as Creighton's supposed to be. I want to see Nebraska Creighton from a measuring stick standpoint. But uh, just released literally like three minutes ago by the Big Ten. Somebody must have had incriminating pictures of somebody uh, in the Big Ten for this thing to get released. I know that the Moose and uh, Hoiberg both said 24 to 48 hours. But, you know, uh, we're uh, we're less than a month from uh, the first Big Ten tip-off, right? And that is going to be Rutgers at Maryland December 14th. Maryland lost a lot of firepower. Rutgers is kind of a, a middle-of-the-pack favorite to, to get to the NCAA tournament. But Nebraska's first game will be, drumroll please, uh, will be at Wisconsin. Oh, I was trying to find the drum roll yeah, sound yeah, effect. No there's too many stupid sound effects. So they will take on Wisconsin. they will be uh, on the road in Wisconsin and that'll be Monday, December 21st. And Wisconsin's your favorite if you ask Sports Illustrated to win the Big Ten regular season. So Nebraska is at Wisconsin. Uh, and you go through the rest of this here. Nebraska will be at Ohio State December 30th. They'll host Michigan on Christmas Day. Uh, don't have a, a game time for that, but it's Wisconsin. Then they host Michigan and Jawan Howard. And then uh, Nebraska, as we round out December, uh December, the Big Red will be at Ohio State December 30th. And then January 2nd, they host Sparty on Saturday. I just pray for a Saturday Nebraska-Michigan State game that COVID goes to hell. And uh, there are people that are allowed in the stands for this thing. Because it's pretty brutal that you, for, even for next weekend, I mean, it's, it's sparse. Which will be kind of entertaining if you have a coach who likes to swear. It'll be heard and picked up. Maybe. Well, I'm
0: thinking with your son being the big Sparty fan that he is, you got to see if you can get yourself a press pass, and then you got to dress up your son like yourself. See, I, I, they are, no, <laughs> no. I think if you just it, like if you feather the hair right, I think I think you could pull it off.
3: No, he's uh, he's <laughs> he's not as dark as I am with the hair yet, but they are they are really due to Big Ten protocol, it is very tough and tight to get a, a credential. Mm-hmm. It ju- it just is. I think maybe one or two per outlet. I know Seamus sent something out yesterday, and I wasn't going to request one for, for next week. I mean, we got 38 shows to do on Black Friday, so, you know, just not, not going to ask for a spot and then not be able to go. Mm-hmm. So, continuing on with Nebraska's schedule, they'll be at Purdue January 5th. And uh, more on Nebraska basketball. They host Indiana January 10th. These just came down, so I'm thumbing through, so forgive me. But your other favorite is Illinois. And Illinois comes to Lincoln January 13th.
0: Yeah, uh, Illinois, don't know much about that. That's the fun thing about Big Ten basketball is it feels like it could be you know, anyone's year, any year. And Nebraska's picked, I think, really low, 13th or something like that in the Big Ten. 13th
3: by Sports Illustrated as well. But
0: the thing about the preseason predictions is in basketball, when you only have five guys on the court, anything can happen.
3: Well, so. I mean, yeah, you can put a. You got to get some confidence. You got to get some chemistry. And Nebraska has talent this year. Uh, Nebraska will be at Maryland January 16th, they'll host Minnesota January 20th. And uh, then Nebraska will be at Iowa Sunday, January 24th. More through the schedule here. It's a 20-game schedule. Uh, Nebraska hosting Penn State on the twenty uh, on the 30th of January. And uh, Nebraska will be at Sparty February 3rd. And more on Nebraska. They'll be at Minnesota February 7th or 8th. That's an or. That's an or in there. It's a Monday or Sunday or a Monday. Wisconsin comes to Lincoln February 11th. That's a Thursday. Probably an 8 o'clock Big Ten deal. Sunday the 14th, Valentine's Day. Nebraska's at Penn State. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day. You get to go to Siberia in February. Nebraska hosts uh, Maryland on my birthday, February 17th. And then Nebraska gets Purdue at home on February 20th. More on. Nebraska, so it's not setting up. Every game's difficult. Every game's totally losable. There's a lot of game that's a I guess, lot. Of, I there's a lot see. of games that are, that are winnable, but there's some that are just totally losable.
0: The way you put that means uh, I know
3: for a fact you've watched the last season of Nebraska basketball. Oh, that that that's, Wait, all uh, these games are. And losable. You know what? You know what brought it all crashing back? I'm not going to kid you. So juniors on a basketball team that there's some kids that haven't played a lot of basketball. And by, and by no means is Junior great. Mm-hmm. He's a Schmidt, which means he can't move side to side. He has two left feet. I love him dearly. But just when it comes to defense, he, he get flagged in, in basketball for pass interference. He's just grabbing. He's not moving his feet. And, and, you know, he did some all right things, kind of running the point and weaving through things. And he's kind of a little midget, so th- there's issues... Comparatively speaking, he'll go try and get to the rim, and it, he, if he can get through, he doesn't finish all the time. So he's, I'm proud of him. He works hard. He got teed up his first game because he shoved some kid down because he was mad they were getting beat. I bet you were so proud. I was, actually. <laughs> That's he finally, great. He had finally had enough and taken enough. But the thing that wore me out about last year is Cam Mack doing the old bow and arrow or the three every time he'd hit a three. And, like, once or twice was cool. But then, like, every time, and you're, like, 6 of 38 from the floor, I was just pissed about it, okay? Yeah, I was
0: surprised he wasn't doing the bow and arrow celebration on his free throws, too. <laughs> no kidding. <right? laughs> but,
3: but it became, like, flashing back to me Sunday because Carson's team's getting just rolled. It's, like, 49 to 13, all right? I mean, it's just brutal. And his team has some big kids, but they like Carson has two left feet. They have two left hands. Okay, I mean they just can't catch. And some Yahoo on his team jacks a three, crushes it. Great catch in in rhythm. Kick out, catch, shoot three, win. And that that broke the the drought of being stuck on the number ten for the first nine minutes of the second half to get him to thirteen. And the kid's running down court. He's got an arm sleeve, and he's got the, th- the three fingers like he's Grant Wistrom, three and out, right by his hip, and he's celebrating. And I just lost it. I just lost my mind. Just started swearing, what are you doing? Not at the kid, but at the situation. So I had a, had a, a, a Cam Mack moment with youth basketball last Sunday. And I couldn't take it. I had to go for a walk around <laughs> the, the gym. <laughs> Because the guy that that puts this league on is only charging probably seven grand per kid, you know. Uh And it's supposed to be some high level competition, and everybody and anybody can go uh, make a team. And if there's not a team, guess what? Here's a check. We can create a team. I'm done done ranting. Forgive me. But now we have a three week uh, pause. Because of health directives. Mm -hmm. So no no
0: more celebrations for the next three
3: weeks. There's no more arm arm sleeve. I'm one for 12 from three, and I'm going to put my three fingers up because I saw Cam Mack do it occasionally last year.
0: See, my go-to celebration whenever I'm down 40 and I hit a three is the Carmelo three to the head,
3: you know? (laughs) You can't do it! You can't celebrate. Okay. Well, is he like you at least can, you can be happy that you made a shot, but keep it between your ears. Mm-hmm. M- make it meaningful. Not that we're not ever going to cover ever, or we're gonna we're not gonna we're gonna you know you segment the second half if you're down double digits. By the ten minute mark, let's be down eleven. By the five minute mark, let's be down six. By the three minute mark, let's be down three. no. Let's not be down 59 to 13 because I just launched a three. Hey, 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 brought us back. <laughs> right, right back to the stick my three fingers up and, and i pretend I'm Jaws, you know, approaching a water skier down court. Can't take it reminds me of the uh, the dark years of
0: Husker football, about three, four years ago. There was a lot of years to pick. <laughs> whenever they'd be down like 28 points to Ohio State, and someone would make a nice play on defense and throw the bones, and I'd just cringe up in the stands. Because they're getting rocked. You're getting rocked. Like You're, you're disrespecting Melvin the Melvin just Blackers. ran for another 50. Yeah,
3: and they, you throw the bones on the tackle. Like, oh, it it's hurts. Ti- it's, it's about timing, right? Mm-hmm. It's always about timing. More on Nebraska. They get Rutgers in Lincoln February 28th. And uh, I mean, it's 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 a it's a pretty true round robin. Uh, Nebraska will finish at Northwestern March seventh. So there you go. And uh, I, I don't know what's what's a fair number to throw out there for Nebraska basketball. Were they five and twenty something last year? Did they get ten wins this year?
0: I'd be happy somewhere in that 500 range, which is even high expectations. That's a a high ask. That's even a high ask, but I think there's some good players in this Husker basketball team. Uh, Teddy Allen is a guy that that I'm expecting to to run the the ship this year, honestly. And and I just want to see improvement is what I want to see. And that means being in a place where even if you don't finish 500, you can say, all right, we lost by five this game. We lost by three this game. You had some
3: dudes last year that just folded. folded. mm -hmm. You had some JUCO dudes last year that just folded. Yeah. Period, and that sucked.
0: I mean, if you can finish the year at fifteen and nineteen, but there's four close games in there where you can say, okay, uh-huh. if you if you can get two more close wins, you can get to five hundred. I'm happy. I think Fred's it, it, got some talent. It, it, it's about the uh, that's just being in it with the Big Ten teams because this year it's like Husker football. This year, this year is not a, a go win the Big Ten year. This year is not a go. Compete for a national championship year by any means. This year is a let's get some improvement. Let's show our progress. Let's show recruits what we can do with this team, and let's move forward onto next year. Whenever you have
3: some awesome talent coming uh, mm. via recruiting, you do. You've recruited well. You got your system. I, I think, in fairness to Fred and and his crew, when they took the gig, they had uh, they had to hurry to kind of load up a roster because there wasn't a lot left over. Right after he made the decision to move on from Timmy to, to go get Fred. And then they, they got high-level Juco ranking guys. But there's always the... Well, there's a reason they're in Juco. And for the Juco kids, there was some talent. But clearly, man, body size-wise and from a maturity standpoint, they were not ready for the Big Ten. They weren't ready for the grind. Their bodies, some of them weren't. And this isn't piñata Kim-Mac day. It's just the guy had some skill set, but truth be told in the Big Ten, he needs a year of just cranking away in the weight room. And you can't get suspended every other freaking game. Or not start. Or, I mean, just that type of stuff wears you out. And Nebraska even got the Italy trip last year to try and kind of come together. So... You've got some dudes that sat out. You had a lot of departures because guys knew that the guys that had to sit out this year probably would beat him out for spots and for minutes. You factor in Teddy Buckets. You've got Ivan, who's put the work in to be forceful down low and more athletic, lean. I mean, he's really chiseled his body. And then you got the transfers, that, especially McGowan's. I mean, he, he has had good work in Power 5. It fits. So, and, and no, like, is, is Nebraska a team that's picked 13th because people hate Nebraska? No, they're picking Nebraska 13th. That says a lot, honestly, about Northwestern, just how garbage they may be, how young they are. You have a team in Nebraska you know nothing about, and you're still going pick to picking them ahead of Northwestern. But Purdue, Maryland, I mean, they're, they're way down the list as far as where they're projected. I mean, uh, Illinois is dynamite with what they got coming back uh and and underwoods had them building I mean, he's a good coach i was loaded with size and athleticism and the ability to just drain the three Sparty's sparty howard's pretty good Juwan howard i mean he's recruited well there at michigan i mean it's not ohio state and indiana where it's going to be bully ball or, or nba guards i mean they're they're down, down the list as well. So Nebraska could shock and surprise. A lot of some of the more fun Nebraska teams have been, well, the unknown, mm-hmm. right? Where we don't know a lot about this team. And then they come together. They're pretty talented. They play well together. Team that I think a lot about. And I'm not comparing this team to to that team. But I think of uh, Nebraska's best team ever nineteen ninety ninety one, 1990-91 where they, were, they ended up being a three-seed. But you had a Bo Bo Reed that was a senior that was out with a with a knee injury the, the, the previous year. You had a, a good ball player in Paikowski, You had Rich King. You had Tony Farmer. You had a squad. Then we'll talk with Mike Babcock some football thoughts. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hail Var City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Get us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. We uh, kind of ran through the Nebraska basketball schedule that just got dropped and unofficially. But uh, when we talk about Nebraska's non-conference schedule with the Golden Window Classic, you're going to open up with McNeese State November 25th and then... Nevada and San Fran, uh, somewhere between the 26th and 29th. South Dakota, December 1st. Georgia Tech, December 9th. And then Creighton, probably December 11th. So that'd be all right. I know a guy I see at uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena catching Nebraska basketball when we could go is Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, we'll get into some football here, but what's the outlook for you with Husker Basketball?
4: Well, um, it's not quite a been down so long it looks like up to me kind of a thing. But uh, I heard uh, was it Elijah said that uh, five hundred would be a good uh, would be a good go there. That'd that, be that's, awesome. probably, uh, that's probably a good uh, that's probably a good measuring stick. You know, I I don't know what kind of a transition. It, you know, mo- most of the roster is new, mm-hmm. um, and, and I don't know how. Long it takes for those guys to sort of meld you know uh, work together and so forth, it looks like they've got uh talent and uh you know I'm looking forward to uh seeing some of these guys teddy allen i you know i just i don't know it it's it's unknown but but there's reason for optimism you know I think things are gonna get better mm-hmm. um because of what they've done in recruiting and uh um, it, you know, it's, it's difficult, uh, even so when you get a lot of transfers and, and, uh, you try to build a team with that, um, you know, that's, you can find talent, but you know, we see that in, we see that in football, you know, what Kansas state did with junior college players, sure. in football, um, uh, but it, but it, but it's not easy. And, and, uh, that's the thing. Sometimes it takes it takes time, but you know I think that obviously that Nebraska will be better than than seven and twenty five. Um, but uh, you know, let's just hope that the the season gets played pretty much as it's mapped out, and and uh, you know maybe by the new year uh, things will be a little bit different. Maybe we'll have a uh, some access to a vaccine, and there'll be some fans and. You know, just try to be optimistic about all things, Uh, not just the team, but but all the things around it. Um, You know, that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, It's to me, it's it's like I looked up and it, you know, basketball. You know, there's going to be a basketball season, Uh, and then it's like basketball games next week. That's it's quick, that's, yeah, that's 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 quick, but you know, I was scrolling through, through TV channels the other day, and it looked like there was a, a uh, a Pac 12 game from oh, it no, no, it might have been uh, it might have been in the new year because they usually play replay games. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine there was a live,
3: yeah, you were probably watching a, an instant classic or something,
4: yeah, it was probably something like that. Was Harold I,
3: Miner I, on the floor.
4: I didn't even sign no way you know. No, I didn't even stop about that. I mean, if you're going to bring up old guys.
3: <laughs> it's, Harold, um, it's Harold Miner and Reggie
4: Miller from three. I know Harold Miner made his career, didn't he, hit the, at uh, the Devaney Center? Was Still it? has, a, him yeah, that, he had 40,
3: 43 or 44 points.
4: Yeah. yeah, so there's that. I mean, they held him to that. 40 they held him to that. <laughs> points, but,
3: hey, that was um, a good SC team, man.
4: And, you know, I also <laughs> heard you mention the 90-91 team, it, you know, was the best in school history. I, I almost think it's a toss-up between that team and the 65-66 team, but the game is so different um, that, it, that it's hard to compare those two. But I,
3: I'm not real familiar with 65-66.
4: You know, that team was...
3: 90-91 was kind of my wheelhouse with yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, there's no them.
4: question. I, I mean, we could build a case mm-hmm. definitely for that team, but... I, uh, the 65-66 the team uh, is forgotten, uh, I think, because of the time that's passed. But, you know, it was a 20-5 and 5 team um, and at that time. And, uh, you know, I can't give you the numbers, but the, but the amount of points that that team averaged, uh, it was remarkable how offensive-minded that team was up and down the floor, uh, scoring points, and came within a, uh, an upset loss, uh, to Colorado out there on that uh, arena, mm-hmm. I'll call it, but it was a dump. Um, uh, <laughs> pre, Pre-Core's
3: event center, you're telling me?
4: <laughs> well, no, that's, I don't know if they're still playing in the same place. This was like when you walked through to get into the press box uh, at the football stadium. I mean, you, you went through what was the basketball.
3: Really? Oh, yeah, yeah I kind of remember. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got
4: you. It, wasn't the greatest thing. Anyway, Nebraska got upset by out there uh, in the last game or the next-to-last game of the regular season. Otherwise, Nebraska would have tied Kansas for the conference championship. Wow. And Kansas was you know, dominant then. And, and back then, uh, you know, you didn't have the number of teams that uh, I think conference champions were the only ones that, that made the NCAA tournament. And Nebraska didn't even get an NIT invitation that year. I think it was a year later, maybe. Um, And so that team never played in a postseason, but it was good enough. You know, with uh, Stuart Lance, whose jersey is retired now, um, Tom Bach, uh, Nate Branch, uh, Coley Webb, and uh, Grant Simmons, I think that was their starting lineup. And uh, that was really a talented team. But 1991, there, there's no question that was that was quite the team, that was quite the run, and it's too bad that uh, didn't get it done. At the, at least in the first round of the tournament, I think Nebraska was what the third seed, mm-hmm. uh, and got upset in the in the uh, in the first round. But um, yeah, that was a and the, that was the first of four consecutive trips to the NCAA tournament, none of which produced wins. Uh, people got upset about that. Obviously, they said Danny couldn't get. He could get there, but they couldn't win. Then he got there once more, I think, and didn't win. And uh, and then they got rid of him for a lot of reasons. But I didn't think they should have. And
3: no, I I uh, I, I loved me some Danny Nee, and Danny was always good to me, and told great uh, amazing stories off air, and uh, was uh, was was really cool to us. We were just in college then. And he would come on our, our college radio show on KRNU. He'd he'd come over to yeah. to Avery Hall, yeah. And, and he may yeah. have had a and he may have had a, a tall boy with him.
4: He <laughs> was a, he was awesome. He was, he was so he was good. Aging guy. I mean, oh yeah. I remember being at the uh, NIT and uh, in New York City, and we were staying at the Marriott Marquis, and the team was staying there, and we were walking down to to uh, uh, Madison Square Garden for the team to work out, and I was kind of walking with. Uh, with Danny, uh, and okay, so we're in New York City, right?
3: It's his home turf.
4: Yeah, and we, he's a Brooklyn guy, and we're walking, and there's crowds of people everywhere. And somebody goes, "Hey, Danny, how you doing? What are you, you know, what are you mm-hmm. up to now?" It's like what are the odds that anybody's going to know this guy? There's like thousands of people walking down there. Yeah, he's a he was definitely a, a Brooklyn guy, in New York, and that's you know I think some people that was not the that was kind of a sticking point. And I always said, you know, he'd get to the NCAA tournament and they couldn't win. People complained about that so they got rid of him. So they solved that problem. They just didn't get the NCAA tournament, so it wasn't an issue anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mike, with our last few minutes here, I, I want to shift gears to football. Sure. Um, because... Uh, Saturday, Huskers moved uh, to the west sideline for their bench, uh, which was a little confusing on Saturday. We got a little more clarity on it, but that's not really the question I'm going for. We, we, you can go down that path if you want, but uh, in the game notes, I saw that you were credited as a the foremost Husker historian, so do you accept that crown, and what did you think of that? <laughs> that
4: was very kind of uh, Keith, the man and the sports information people, to say that. I mean, it it's just an acknowledgment that I'm older than anybody else in the... Uh uh, that, that that covers the Huskers, and I, you know, the day-to-day beat. That's kind of not something I do. But yeah, that was that was kind of them to say that, and you know, I I, I was uh, a little concerned. I I was I was sure that I had read that somewhere that Devanny moved it uh, in his first year in 1962. I was positive I had read that, um, and that, that 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 was accurate. But then, after I was credited with that, I thought, "Holy mackerel! I got to find that thing." And 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 Brandon Vogel mm-hmm. um, uh, found it on uh, newspapers dot com and shipped me a clip of of where that was, um, so I relaxed a little bit more. But uh... yeah, I I, I was sure that Devanny wanted to do that, and the reason Devanny wanted to do that is that at that time. Uh, the band and the student section were over in the East Stadium, mm-hmm. and he wanted the team to be over by them. And so he said, um, you know that's uh, we'll go over there. Um, that's you know we're going to make some changes that's that's one of them. that's kind of a uh, It might seem superficial but but he wanted the energy of uh, of the band and the, and the student section behind him. and you know, at that point, uh, Nebraska. If you drew twenty-seven thousand, which I think that might have been the attendance for that first his first game there. Um, that was an important thing, is just to get the energy of uh, the student section and and uh, and you know the, we didn't have that uh, addition on the East Stadium there, so uh, you were looking into the sun if you're on the west side, um, which is not as much of a problem now because it, you know it it jumps up there, but um, yeah, that's, that was a, you know, and he changed the uniforms and they, and they did some other things that uh, um, were cosmetic in, in a lot of ways. But, but you know, uh, Scott said that, well, you, you addressed this, but, uh, you know, they, they wanted to sort of protect the uh, signals that they were doing. And, uh, you know, they thought this was a better, better uh, situation for that. And I, you know, I'm not so sure about what they won't stay over there.
3: I, I would. Babber's about 30 seconds here, but how do you feel about this Saturday against the Illini?
4: Uh, I think this is a win for Nebraska. You know, Nebraska's gotten over 600 yards of offense against the Illini the last couple seasons. Uh, generate some stuff. Um, uh, I think Illinois will be scrappy, um, but uh, I think I think Nebraska wins this game.
3: Last thought here, about uh, twenty seconds. Luke McCaffrey, what do you think of his first go?
4: Uh, you know, I thought he played well. You have to consider it was his first start, and uh, you know he was he was hyped up. But uh, I like the I like the pace at the mm-hmm. beginning of the game, and you know then the then the Huskers kind of backed off in the second half. I think, but you know, defense can't be on the field for ninety one snaps unless <laughs> you can figure out a way to be on the field for ninety two. So. Um, yeah, somehow that's got to change.
3: Babbers, we'll talk again. It was fun to, to chat all things hoops and football with you. Thanks for jumping in with us.
4: Great talking to you guys. Be safe. All
3: right, there he is, Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer, exclusively with Hale Varsity. We'll get some thoughts on the Masters. Mike Shuart, Shoey's on the way.
2: Chime in. And we're back. Fellas, so, Did we could... Listen to the
3: radio, On Hale Varsity
2: Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
4: Yes!
5: That's awesome!
3: Brad Edwards, Jacob Adela coming up. We'll hit some more Husker hoops. Their schedule released for the Big Ten. And uh, we have not come to a determination yet on Husker basketball wins in the Big Ten. We've been discussing it for the first half hour or so. Welcome back into Hale Varsity Radio. Let's go back to Augusta. And a guy that called his shot, Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey said DJ. DJ Shredded Augusta and all the pretty leaves. Shuey, uh, what else are we going to predict for for the folks this week? How are you?
5: I'm doing good. Another beautiful day out.
3: You are, yeah, you're outside. You're probably on the deck or you're on the, the putting green talking quietly, of course. <laughs> and and we're we're in studio we should be out on on the uh, on site with you today
5: you should be and it's beautiful out We just got done with a lesson. We were outside hit balls, so another beautiful day
3: well, what'd you think what'd you think uh, a tiger what'd you think of uh your friend Bryson <laughs> DeChambeau? <laughs> and what'd you think of dj
5: Dj did what I thought he was going to do I mean he'd played good all year he just looked. Super comfortable, confident. Somebody said it earlier. It's like it was. It was his tournament to lose going Mm -hmm. into it, you know. And he played that way, looked that way, you know. And he he just kind of felt that it was his time. Looked like it, and he played like it. I mean, he just he's pretty good. He hits it so solid and long. And when his putter works, he's pretty tough to beat. So. It was was his time. He'd played there good year after year after year, and it was like one of these days he's got to break through, and he did.
3: He was just in the zone and didn't flinch and kept that momentum, and it was phenomenal. Tiger, Mr. Mr. Everything, uh, Ray's Creek, uh, took out the old – Paddle and went woodshed on old Tiger with a with a ten. <laughs> Who hasn't knocked three balls into the drink on one hole? We've all done that, haven't we, shuey Oh yeah, I know I have. I More do than once. I do it every time I play. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger does it every twelve years, but you know Tiger started well, and and then the way. How about Tiger's response after the 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 ten? Right, I mean the way he finished and and birdied everything. I mean he was way out of it, but man he. Does that give you some, that? some? Yeah. Does that give you some hope as things move forward?
5: That's just Tiger showing everybody why he is Tiger man. I mean, there's a guy that could have packed it in, and what did he do? He birdies five out of the last six holes. I mean, that was so phenomenal. I was so happy to see that. It was incredible. So, and that's Tiger. I mean, he's he's the best of all kinds, best of all mm-hmm. times. You know. And he got he got really unlucky with the weather. That hurt him more than probably anybody, you know, because he just he's not young like he used to be. His Mm -hmm. body isn't what it used to be, so he had to play 27 holes, 28 holes, or something like that the one day. So just kind of the unlucky draw with the weather, having to play as much, not being able to rest, recoup, let his body be able to get back to at least somewhat functional. So he kind of knew he was going to, you have a little trouble with that, and people if you haven't been to the masters, people do not realize how hilly that place is.' No walking kidding. up and down up and down, and that's not that's not all that good on your back, you know, and he doesn't have much of a back. he got a fused back, so um, so he got a little unlucky with the weather, i mean, which is unfortunate,
4: talking with it's Willard hard for is- him
5: just.
0: Go ahead. As I say, talking with Wilderness Ridge Golf Pro, Mike Shuhar. And, Mike, I just want to get your thoughts overall on, on a fall Masters. It was kind of weird uh, with the Azaleas not in bloom, no fans there. Um, I, I'm personally excited to see this thing back in, uh, in April, hopefully, of 2021. Crossing my fingers for that. Uh, but just overall thoughts on seeing what's typically a spring classic being played in November.
5: It was awesome to see it being played, first of all. Um, it played totally different than what it's going to play like in the spring. That's why you you saw a bunch of young guys and first-timers actually play really well there because the golf course didn't play anything like it It typically plays in the spring. The greens were way softer, way slower. I mean, they were able to just attack pins where they normally could never attack, not in the springtime, you know, with the greens being much firmer. Um, much faster you know it it didn't have nearly the teeth in it that it usually does so it started to you could see it towards sunday trying to get a little bit back to that and some of those guys that are first-timers struggled a little bit with that you know so getting back to the to the springtime will be nice to see it play like it traditionally does
3: Mike Shuarts with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey uh, every Wednesday at 4.40 with us. Shuey got about three minutes here, going to flip over to football. What do you think of Saturday against Penn State? What do you think of this Saturday against the Illini?
5: It was fun to see him win. No it's been kidding. a long time since we've seen that. You know, it's obviously they've got a little, still a long ways to go. I mean, you they've only scored, what, six points in the last, in the second half of two games fifty
3: nine to six they've been outscored
5: oh, uh, that's not good, no, that's not good, so it's like obviously you got to get them they got to get better, you know and I'd like to see some different guys play. There's some guys that I thought looked really good that need to play more, like Scott, mm-hmm. that dude's a beast in there, <laughs> so yeah and but I would sure hope they could beat Illinois they're not very good and we're hopefully getting better so I don't know I'm still I'm still on the fence
3: yeah the the second half part of things is, is frustrating the starts have been really pretty good when you talk about that that opening script I mean it's been nice but Luke settled in made some plays um, I mean just to see the offensive line kind of get back at it I know they've taken on some good. Front sevens. I mean, Penn State. I know their record's garbage, but they're good ball players. They just haven't won. Exactly. Uh, Northwestern's really, really good. Uh, their front seven, and then Ohio State's Ohio State. So, I mean, you should, if you're Nebraska, be able to just line up. And I know Lovey's going to have a physical, tough football team, but you should line up and just run the football. You've been able to run the football in Illinois every year you've played them.
5: Yeah, you would hope so. I mean, they're going to they're going to play probably. the weaker of all the teams they played. So you would hope that your guys could at least maintain, if not be better than the the team on the other side of you. That hasn't been the case the last three games, Mm -hmm. you know? So hopefully they can kind of push people around a little bit and show that they're improving, you know, with all the things they do. Mike, about
0: about 30 seconds left. I mean, we've seen – first three games we kind of know what this husker football team is going to be about this year four games left illinois iowa purdue and minnesota do you have a, an updated win prediction total for this season uh, with one win already in the bag
5: uh i would be happy if they went two and two all right they could, they could win two lose two that's what i'm thinking
0: uh, leave three and four final three, record, three I guess, with, with
3: one still to play. Three and four, and then reschedule that ninth game instead of seeing Sparty or, or Rutgers. Let's get that Nebraska Wisconsin thing back on track. Oh,
0: that'd be mm, fun. That'd Wisconsin be at the end with a chance to get back to 500? Yeah, that'd be all right. We may not want to see
3: Wisconsin.
5: With- <laughs> the they would
3: kill us. He's like, no, I'm out on no the No, I don't want to play Wisconsin. No no vote from Shuey. Shuey, we'll see you soon. Enjoy that sunshine and swing away at Wilderness. All right, bud? All right, we'll do it. Thanks. All right, we'll wind down to hour one next. And now.
2: And now, back to
3: Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Brad Edwards, ESPN College Football Insider, 10 minutes away, Jacob Padilla. His take on Nebraska. Let's get a little deeper into the pool with Jacob. And just the roster, the talent, the outlook with the rest of the league. We, we know the schedule now. Reminder about West Blue Realty. Are you moving in 2020? 2020, maybe 2021. West Blue Realty can help. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. They'll make this next move a smooth one for you. When you mention Hale, Varsity, get up to $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shout. Tom Luby's number at 402-540-3768. Or how about Kelly Hofschneider? Kelly's there to help. 402-202-2312. Both Tom and Kelly do an amazing job and can help find that next home for you with West Blue Realty, westbluerealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200, get an appointment today. So a couple of thoughts here again with Nebraska's schedule, as uh, they'll be playing on Christmas and Valentine's Day. Uh, You have a couple of collapsible buys that have been built in for the Big Ten, Wonderful, great, grand. It didn't happen in football. You at least get it in basketball. So during the weeks of January 18th through 21st, January 25th through the 28th, and weeks of February 22nd through the 25th, those days, along with March 1st through 5th, that'll help provide makeups for games missed due to COVID. Otherwise, pretty normal times. With an abnormal year in covid, so with Nebraska, you say five hundred would be a great season. I think five hundred would be an absolutely tremendous season, quickly looking at nebraska's start i mean who do, who do they who do they get their first win against in conference I mean because you start out with.
0: I thought you weren't gonna throw in the stipulation about conference and I was gonna say I hope it's McNeese State. Well, right. <laughs> Clearly.
3: But I mean, in, in reality. I mean, you start out with you're at Wisconsin, you get Michigan at home, you're at Ohio State, you host Sparty on January second, you're at Purdue, you host Indiana, uh, you host Illinois, you're at Maryland. Is it I mean, could you start Ofer until Minnesota gets here? Do you Go sting Ohio State on the road? Do you take Michigan and Jawan down?
0: If this is last year's Nebraska basketball team, I'm taking them 0-6 in that first six or whatever. Right, But this new Husker basketball team... You're a
3: little bit more optimistic.
0: Yeah, I I think just the tone from Hoiberg this year uh, is a little different than last year. The way he's actually saying, "Yeah, Teddy Allen had 29 points for us, and yeah, Lat-Mayan hit 88 of 103 pointers mm-hmm. in this drill." The, the tone
3: coming out of Hoiberg makes me think that he's a little more optimistic for this year than he was last year. Well, let's just—I mean, you got to—you got to go steal some on the road, right? Is—is as, mm-hmm. as down as Penn State is, and they don't have a coach. I mean, this could be the year to do it. I mean, they're—they're they're at Penn State. I don't—you you go get one at Northwestern, you win at Minnesota, at Iowa's. You don't get Iowa at home, which sucks. You're at Iowa, January twenty fourth. I mean, but for how it's looking,
0: home court advantage might be minimized. Can a you lot steal
3: this year. one against Michigan State in Lincoln, January second?
0: I'll wait and see how good this Husker basketball well, team we'll is. Well, we'll see
3: because you know you get your non conference, right? But that game I'm sure would be. You're going to have fans. a game coming up next week with Nevada. We'll see what Nevada's about. You got Georgia Tech. And then uh, Creighton on the 11th of December. Uh, Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider College Football next. Thanks for spending time. It's hour two. It's Hail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Welcome in with ESPN College Football, Brad Edwards at JBradEdwards on Twitter. And, uh, Brad, pretty busy weekend of college football, some interesting games in the Big Ten. How's your week been?
6: Well, um, I guess better than last week. Last, <laughs> last week was. Uh, it kind of a, a dead week on the schedule before things started being cancelled and then it got even worse after you know 15 cancellations and it looks like we're on pace to you know get at least close to that number if not surpass it again this week but at, at least there are some attractive games on the schedule that appear to be in line to be played so Um, it's been a much more fun week because of that.
3: We can knock on some wood there. What's your take on the Pac-12 when we uh, talk about what they're doing now? They're loosening their restrictions for scheduling. So maybe you get Colorado and Colorado State to hook up. Maybe you get Utah and BYU to play. And if you're the Pac-12, do you look into – I don't know, schedule in BYU. Uh, they, they're uh, a, a high, highly regarded, highly ranked team. Uh, is that kind of a situation you can to look at if you're the Pac-12 to give yourself some more ammo for a, a college football playoff spot?
6: Yeah, I, I, I guess my, my feeling, and I could be wrong, is that this whole thing materialized just because of the knowledge of what was going on in Colorado. Sure. And they didn't. They didn't want to block Colorado from being able to play a game um, when there was a, a willing and able opponent just right down the street from them. And I, I don't know that that situation necessarily presents itself for a lot of other Pac-12 teams. And I mean, I guess you, you could, in theory, have that in uh, in the Bay Area with you know San Diego. Excuse me, San Jose State, and then maybe one of the LA schools sure. could play san diego state if uh, a similar opportunity presented presented itself but um i i, I don't think on ge- in general that the idea is to put teams on planes because you know what as 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 much as we you know where where we're located certainly where i'm located maybe not quite as much where you are people probably have a better sense of geography um but you know we think of utah as out west but it, it's still, I mean, if you're BYU, to, to go to one of those Pac-12 schools um, outside of, you know, Utah and Colorado, um, that's a pretty good haul. Uh, and, and you're on a plane, and, and it's, um, you know, I, I just don't know if that's something that logistically is that easily thrown together in, in a matter of uh, three days or whatever it would take in, in most of these situations.
0: So, Brad, are you saying uh, is that my, my dream of BYU playing in the college football playoff? It's it's starting to die here.
6: Well, I I think that um, the schedule as it is for BYU, with with just Boise as you know a quality win, and even then you know they didn't have their starting quarterback and ended up you know going down to the, the third stringer after that. Um, it, it really will be tough for the selection committee to, to look at, at BYU's schedule and say, yeah, this is enough to, to justify putting them in. I mean, They've dominated. They've done everything you could ask them to do against that schedule. I, I just think there would have to be so much carnage in the, uh, in the major conferences for it to get to a point where they were willing to consider BYU. I think Cincinnati is more reasonable, um, given that they've played a tougher schedule than the American, and they would end up with one extra game because of the conference championship. And I, I think I think that one is at least plausible to me, whereas BYU, even though I will say I, I think BYU is better than Cincinnati. If they were to play each other, I would pick BYU to win. But I think Cincinnati's got a better chance of, of getting some level of consideration for the playoff, although I, I don't think their chance is great either.
3: Brad, we'll get to your thoughts on Nebraska-Penn State in a moment. I want to go to the Big Ten, though, and – what a what a rocking by Wisconsin in Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin, I know, has had to sit out two games, but, man, they came back ready to roll. What, what did they show you? And then on the other side of the coin here, what are your feelings about Harbaugh and his time in Michigan?
6: Yeah, I think Wisconsin had every excuse to not play well, you know, to come out. Sloppy and rusty and and all that, and then uh, if they had barely won, you could have said, "Well, you know what? They you know didn't play for two weeks before, and you know a lot of guys had barely practiced, and there were I don't know what they have like six starters who were out. You know, were still out with COVID, so um, th- there there were plenty of excuses, but but they didn't need them, um, and and I, I think that's what makes it even more embarrassing for Michigan, the way that everything played out, and and so if you're you know, if you're Wisconsin, I, I think your your hope that you're still good enough to, to give Ohio State a run. Now, obviously, they have to get through Northwestern and, and the rest of the West uh, over the next few weeks for that to come to fruition. But um, you know, I, I think for a lot of Wisconsin people or, or Big Ten people in general, they figured that given what both teams lost from last year, it was not likely that Wisconsin would be able to push Ohio State as hard as they did a year ago in the Big Ten championship game. But you know maybe maybe what we saw on saturday night would suggest otherwise and then on you know on the michigan side what what i see is this which is a, a team that is now 10 and 9 in its last 19 games and seven of those nine losses have been by more than two touchdowns and and by the way one of the two close uh, close losses that they have was against Sparty a few weeks ago. I mean, mm-hmm. the worst Michigan State team we've seen, and, uh, who, and, and they had a bad one just a few years ago, but I think this one's worse. And, and so the fact that they even lost to that team is, is maybe more of an embarrassment than some of these blowout losses they've had to others. So when you, when you look at what's happened in the last two or three years at Michigan compared to what happened in the first three years under Harbaugh, um, something's changed. You know that they're they're now losing the teams they weren't losing to before, um, they're losing by bigger margins than before, and and you can just you can see very clearly it's not going in the right direction, and there's just no reason to believe that it's about to get better, and and so that's why it's just hard for a lot of people to believe that um, that he's going to be there beyond this season, um, because it's it's I don't even know why there would be any any belief that it was going to get turned around of course he's got the weird contract situation where he only has one year left anyway so so I think Michigan's got a choice you either you know let him finish out the contract and coach next year to uh, save yourself eight million dollars but then you might as well just give up on recruiting because at that point you've got a lame duck head coach or you can go ahead and spend the last eight million or whatever to buy him out in the offseason and then move on um it, you know obviously nobody wanted it to be this way but it looks like that's the way that it's headed right now for michigan
0: talking with brad edwards espn college football insider and brad while we're on the topic of hot seats does an Owen four start for penn state put james franklin on the hot seat
6: i think with some of their fan base it does uh, in fact i think with some of their fan base um he was already there um before they played nebraska but um realistically i i don't think james franklin is going anywhere i think he has the support of the administration and uh, i do know that there there's some panic within their fan base right now because you have this going on at the same time as their their uh, performance in recruiting is is not up to expectation and so you know people are looking at, at what's happening on the field and there there's no momentum there in order to uh, you know, to give recruits a, a reason to buy into Penn State being on the on the verge of, you know, being a contender for the playoff. I remember it was a couple of years ago against Ohio State when they lost that game and, and James Franklin was giving the postgame speech about, you know, that 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 they are a great program, but Ohio State was an elite program and that they needed to get to that level. Well, Pretty clearly, since that time, they've gone in the opposite direction. You know that, and and the gap between them and Ohio State is bigger than it was before. And the only way you're going to get that back to where you want it to be is through recruiting. And right now, it's not going well. So I I, I think it would be naive to suggest that uh, James Franklin is safe. You know anything beyond this off season, but from everything I've heard, it would take it would take it would probably take something off the field. Either that or just completely go winless throughout the Mm -hmm. whole season. But that would be a situation where his job would seriously be in jeopardy in the next two months.
3: Brad, a thought on Nebraska's win. They jumped out and then hung on. But the way I've kind of looked at it, it was Nebraska had to close the game. And despite Penn State's record, they they had a lot of talent on, on the lines of scrimmage. So you're going to take that and not apologize. But what was your takeaway with Nebraska moving forward?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're at a point right now where you just take a win wherever or however you can get it. And it was, it was a big win for them. Um, certainly you would have liked to have you know, capitalized on that uh, big lead that you have, I shouldn't say capitalized. You would have liked to have preserved the big lead and not had to end up sweating it at the end. And you know, And then finishing with the realization that, hey, if you don't get a defensive touchdown, you probably don't end up winning that game. Um, but you know what? However, it happened. They they got a win, and that was really really important to them. Moving mm-hmm. forward, uh, was to go ahead and get that under their belt. I, they obviously have room to improve in, in a number of areas. And um, you know, look if if there's if there's anything you want to hang your hat on, is that uh, you, you are you are now in the same company as Indiana. Um, which this year is a good thing, uh, in that Indiana and Nebraska both got outgamed by more than 200 yards by Penn State but managed to beat them. So, uh, so there you go, Oscars fans. It's, it's an interesting note. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. So Penn State has lost two games already this season in which they outgamed their opponent by more than 200 yards. We have data going back 17 seasons, including this one. And there's only one other time an FBS team has done that twice in the same season, and that was one of Mike Leach's Washington State teams, 2014. Not bad. Uh, but I mean, they did it twice in the entirety of a 12- of a, you know, or 13-game schedule. Where Penn State's done it twice in four weeks. So um, it's hard to do, but they have managed to you know, statistically uh, be the, the better team, clearly. Uh, and yet, uh, managed to to lose the game. The two were obviously very different. Whereas Indiana, um, Indiana, it was a tighter game. Penn State was the team that had to lead. Nebraska, you know, you kind of leave feeling like, well, they they could have lost a lot worse. But it, you know, at the end of the day, because of that second half surge, um, wasn't necessarily close on the box score. But uh, but you know, like I said, Nebraska won, and that's that's all that matters.
3: How are you feeling about Indiana? They're at Ohio State. This is. Uh, kind of a, a chance to prove it for Indiana, and they'll 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 have a really good year. But are, is it going to be special? Are they able to hang around? What do you foresee with this one?
6: You know, as as good as they've been defensively, th- this is we're at a point in college football where even really good defenses, and I'm not sure I'd put Indiana in that category. Mm-hmm. They're a good defense. They're not on the you know the, the Georgia Clemson level. Uh, Notre Dame is, is another good defense this year. Um, so uh, those teams, though, like when, when they play, when the really good defenses play really good offenses, they have a hard time holding them under 40. And, and so there's no logical reason to believe that, that Indiana is going to be able to, to do much better than holding Ohio State to 35. So the, to me, the only hope is that they just are as efficient as they possibly can be on offense They're going to need to continue to force turnovers and score points off of them, which they've done really well this year. I think they're, they are uh, second in the nation in points per game off of turnovers. Um, But they, uh, I'm sorry, third, third Mm -hmm. in the nation, but um, Justin Fields doesn't throw interceptions, So where are you going to get the turnovers? Um, That, that I think is the issue for Indiana is that you're going up against an offense that just doesn't make the types of mistakes that your previous opponents have for you. And so um, I, I give him a 50-50 chance to make it respectable, which means that there's still a pretty good chance that the game isn't close.
3: Brad, about a minute and a half here. South Carolina moving on from Will Muschamp. Is you freeze far enough removed from his baggage to get a phone call, or where, where does South Carolina look?
6: One thing that I'm not completely clear on is the role that, that Greg Sankey and the SEC office have in this. Uh, there have been reports over the previous couple of off-seasons of teams interested in freeze, or really, it was really two years ago when, when some teams were interested in hiring as an offensive coordinator before he got the Liberty job, and uh, the SEC office basically said no way. Um, now, how much power do they really have? to force a team into not taking a head coach or not talking to a head coach? At this stage, I don't know. Um, and so I think that's, that's part of the mystery here is, is how much is the SEC going to resist Hugh Freeze being brought back? Um, but you know what? If, um, if there's interest in him, I, I'm fascinated to see what Tennessee does over the next few weeks mm-hmm. because Tennessee is a team that I can see being willing to pay more to get a coach who not only is a great offensive mind, let's keep in mind South Carolina and Tennessee both have former Saban defensive assistants who have just not really been able to get an offense going. So they're going to look in an offensive direction. The difference is Hugh Freeze has beaten Alabama twice. There aren't many coaches who can say that. And beating Alabama means a heck of a lot more to Tennessee than it does to South Carolina.
3: You nailed it. Absolutely, that's the rival. That's the rival, Brad. About real quick, uh, a lean Northwestern or, or Wisconsin Saturday?
6: Got to be Wisconsin. I, yeah. The teams to me are so similar in the way that they play, and I just think Wisconsin has better players. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Wisconsin would have to make mistakes, and, and obviously they've done that in recent years. They've lost their fair share to Northwestern, so not out of the realm of possibility. But it's you know, if you got to pick the game, you have to go with Wisconsin.
3: Brad Edwards with us, CSPN Insider College Game Day, at J Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, have a great weekend. Watch some ball, and thanks for a few minutes today.
6: All right. Thank you, guys. Talk to you next week.
3: All right. There he is. Brad Edwards with us. Good stuff around the college football world. That's a great point. If I'm Tennessee, man, I'm throwing, uh, throwing out a lot of money to go get you freeze if it doesn't get better. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbert. We welcome in, with com and Magazine, Jacob Padilla. Follow him on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, you about ready for some basketball? How you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm very ready for some
1: basketball. I'm just kind of keeping my uh, my fingers crossed at this point every single day that we can get there and get this thing going.
3: You know, what do you think of, of Rick Patino's take? I know he's at Iona now, but he was pushing for a May madness. Push things back. I know things are crazy in 2020, and there's a, a tentative schedule out, obviously, for for Nebraska with the non-con and then the 20-game the conference schedule. But would it be wiser to push this back, or do you think that would make the NCAA nervous? How do you see this shaking out?
1: this point, we don't know when things are going to get better or even close to normal. We, we just don't know at this point. It, we push it back a month and it could be just as bad or even worse. Mm-hmm. We have no idea at this point. So I'm kind of at the place where if they're determined to have this season to get this thing going, just go forward with it. Get in as many games as you can and then kind of roll with the punches as the season goes on. If we get to a certain point and it's just not feasible to have the tournament normal time of the year whatever we gotta do go ahead and adjust at that point but for now let's just move forward let's try to get in what we can if teams aren't able to uh, compete some games postpone them cancel them get in as many as you can and kind of reevaluate where we are in a couple of months here kind of how i'm looking at it
3: do you like the bubble idea for for indianapolis with the ncaa tournament everything on site there
1: yeah, I mean, it, it, if you can make that work and all the players are bought in and you can kind of make it comfortable for them and um, whatever you can do to kind of increase safety, I'm all for it. Um, it's just you got to kind of weigh the, the pros and cons of the cost and kind of we, we heard how difficult kind of the, the bubble setting was for NBA players but they were down there for a few months so if, if you can find a way if the players are bought in like all right we're going to do whatever we can to get through this you kind of set them up give them a nice little setting that um they're comfortable and all that then sure like whatever we have to do this year to get an NCAA tournament uh on all for it. they just have to <laughs> just have to do whatever they can and like I said roll the punches and adjust to whatever uh
4: uh, so I'll throw
0: Jacob, I know that Fred Hoiberg building this program up, but are we still a year too early to talk about the Huskers making the NCAA tournament, or is this the kind of roster that that could make a run?
1: Yeah, I think we have to see them on the court first before um, we have. I honestly have no idea. I know the 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 athletic it, it, their uh, kind of media poll of the league, and I think they had Nebraska at 13th, and and that's fair at this point, coming off of. The season they had last year. I didn't think they were going to be as bad last year. I thought some of the players would end up being better than they were. I'm much higher on this roster. I think they've got a lot of the pieces needed to be competitive in the Big Ten, but the Big Ten's tough, and we haven't seen all these guys compete together on a court at this level before. I think they're, these guys are more proven than last year's bunch. We know we've seen what Teddy Allen did as a freshman at the high major level. Black man has at least played at that level, even if he wasn't necessarily um, a significant part of what TCU did his freshman year. Like, um, Trey, Trey McGowan's coming in from the ACC. So we've, we've got a lot of these guys that have played at the high major level. So I think he, this uh, This roster is a lot more proven than last year's, but before we have any idea how good these guys are going to be, we have to see them out there in these games.
3: Jacob Adilla's with us. We're talking some big red basketball at Jacob Adilla underscore. It's where you follow him on Twitter, hailvarsity.com and magazine. The Big Ten's really, really loaded this year. And I, I hope, you know, Nebraska fans and, and basketball fans get to see as much conference action as possible with a 20 game schedule. Are you leaning Iowa? Do you like Wisconsin? We'll get further into Nebraska's rotation in a moment. But do Kind of, you know, where things stack up. Who do you like to, to win the league? as an early preseason prediction. And who do you think, how many teams could you see in from the Big Ten this year? I mean, just some of the preseason stuff I see, I look at Sports Illustrated where they've got Indiana and Purdue and Ohio State really far down the trough, so to speak, and everyone's high because of what Wisconsin's got coming back. Iowa's loaded of course and I mean I'm scared if the sleeper's Michigan State, you know, usually they're the they're the top dog.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm really kind of struggling at this point with that top and trying to figure out how to sort out those teams. I think that is the top four Illinois, Iowa, um, Michigan, State, and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They, Wisconsin, they kind of want to share of the conference title last year down the stretch because they got unreasonably hot from three. Like they were shooting 45% from three on high volume over the last however many games. Um, that they kind of went on that hot streak. That, I, I don't really, based on everything all those players have shown throughout their careers, I don't think that's sustainable. I don't love the talent on that roster. I think it's a good roster. I don't. I, I think they're probably a little overhyped based on how they finished last year. Um, Iowa, they got, obviously, Luka Garza mm-hmm. coming back, most productive player in the country. They've got um, a lot of uh, Joe Wieskamp, Jordan Bohannon coming back after the surgery. They've got a really deep, really talented offensive team, but they were so bad defensively. And it's hard to see that getting significantly better this year when they're bringing everybody back for the most part. So they're definitely going to be really good. I just don't know that they're top five good. And then Illinois... They've got, uh, obviously, Ayo Desunmu and Kofi Coburn coming back. Those both guys that kind of looked at the NBA and decided to come back for one year, make a run. They lost Andres Elise, who was an important piece for them, but they had picked up two uh, really talented freshman guards, um, Adam Miller and Andre Corbello. Cur- so they've got um, a, a roster that's going to be really tough. They, they defend. They're, they're really physical. The question is whether or not they're going to be able to shoot the ball well enough to keep teams honest, and they weren't last year. So all these, I think everybody's projecting all uh, those teams to kind of make a leap from where they were last year. And I'm still kind of waiting to see, like, all right, how realistic is that? Is Illinois going to go from a top 25 team to a top 10 team because of what they brought back? Or are there other teams that are going to be a little bit more complete? Kind of the same thing with Iowa. So I think the Big Ten is going to be really fun. And Michigan State, you can't ever doubt them. you got Tom Izzo there, and they just do it year in and year out. So they, they, I don't think they have the talent that they had last year, certainly. We had Cassius Winston, one of the best point guards in the country, and Xavier Tillman, who is one of the best defensive players in the country. You lose those guys, and uh, now you're kind of relying on some younger pieces to step up. And we'll see if Aaron Henry can kind of have that breakthrough season people thought he might have had last year. So there's a lot of talent at the top. You can keep going down there. Uh, I think kind of that second group is going to be really good. You got Rutgers in there, obviously. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Michigan. Um, we'll, we'll see if Indiana can make a leap up there. I, I think. I don't love Purdue's roster. The Penn State's falling off. Um, I, so there, there's definitely some room for Nebraska to kind of work its way up, kind of the second half of that conference. But um, we'll have to kind of see how it plays out. It's going to be fun to watch Big Ten this year.
0: Jacob Bedillo with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Jacob, looking specifically at this Husker team, uh, I know a lot of Husker fans are excited for Teddy Allen. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. uh, But we heard from Coach Hoiberg that he actually dropped 29 points in the team scrimmage last week uh, at PBA. Uh, Is that something that we can expect from him as as we get into non-conference play and then even later down the road into conference play?
1: I, I think so. I think Teddy is going to lead this team in scoring. Uh, he, as a freshman, he was incredibly productive. At West Virginia, and he couldn't even—they didn't even really allow him to shoot the ball at that point. Teddy shooting with confidence, he, he got up 11 threes in that scrimmage. I was able to kind of see a uh, stumble across the box score for that game, and his 4 of 11 for three, 11 of 21 overall, so it's really nice, uh, efficient game and um, kind of led led the red team there. So he's a guy that is absolutely going to get buckets. Like he got that nickname for a reason. Um, I, I expect him to leave this team and scoring and have a really good year.
3: When you look at Webster and McGowan's uh, with their ability, and, uh, of course, Blanton and and Mayen and uh, Drago is is back, and he's looking lean, plus Derek Walker and Stevenson still have Thor. I mean, Fred's got some dudes that that can shoot, and I think everybody kind of gets their their role because a lot of guys have been here. There's obviously some newcomers, but from a chemistry standpoint and a ball movement, what are some strengths you think this team can have, and how can they hurt some of those squads we've already highlighted in the Big Ten?
1: Yeah, and I, the strength of this team will be kind of, it it, more go, it fits more with what Hoiberg wants to do and um, the way he wants to play with uh, a lot of versatility, a lot of ball handlers that can make plays. You're going to have some four spacing out there with guys like Latme and um, and, and others out there shooting the three, um, which will hopefully open the driving lanes for a guy like Delano Banton to get in the paint and make plays for others, for Teddy Allen to kind of get in there and uh, do his thing. So they're going to play fast, they're going to get up a lot of shots, and they're going to they're going to share the ball and give a lot of different guys a chance to make plays. Uh, defensively, they're a little bit longer, a little bit bigger than they were last year. There's still certainly some questions on, on that end. How will they how well will they be able to rebound? Will they have any rim protection? Um, we'll have to see kind of how that develops. But um, they, they, they've got – the way I've described it, they've got the pieces of play like a, a Fred Hoiberg team. Last year's team tried to do that, and they did a good job. The scat, the, the talent and the skill set just didn't match up. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw the kind of uh, – what the result was of that. So this year should be able to play a lot more like Horberg wants them to.
3: Jacob, about a minute here, a little less. What, what, uh, what are you expecting from Ivan? Uh, what, what, what's a year two for Drago look like?
1: Yeah, it's, that, that's kind of one of the more interesting things, um, I think, uh, for this, like, what does he look like? Obviously, we saw uh, how much work he did on his body, and um, the progress he's made physically. And uh, Horberg talked about how he, he thinks that, that, that's helping him right now in terms of his ability to, to get off the floor, um, to rebound, to finish a little bit better, um, a little bit quicker. Um, so that'll be huge because that's kind of the biggest wild card, I think. What do they do at that spot? Uh, it's possible they, they look to go small at times. But a lot may end and try to hold their own that way and just go five out and um, really uh, – rely on the spacing um, to, to hurt teams more than they get hurt on the inside. Or you've got uh, Ivan, you've got Derek Walker, and then you've got the freshman Eduardo Andre, who's, got, who's a little bit different in terms of his size and length compared to the other two. So you've got three viable post options. It's just going to be a matter of, all right, which of these guys is able to kind of grab that spot and, and run with it. And Ivan's the incumbent. He's been here the longest. Um, so he's gonna I think he's gonna get the first crack at it, but he's not going to be given playing time this year out of default like he was last year. He's gonna have to go out and earn that and I think uh, Nebraska's kinda hoping that'll that'll bring the best out of him.
3: Jacob Badilla, Halevarcity.com and magazine at Jacob Badilla underscore. Can't wait to continue to talk. hoops. Jacob take care and thanks for a few minutes. Yeah,
2: no
1: problem. I'll talk to you guys later.
2: He's in his thirties. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish
3: boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, are you getting the uh, the turkey and gravy already? Yeah, we're making some plans. I'm afraid
7: that the smaller turkeys might be, might be out of stock this year with the smaller family get-togethers.
3: Well, that is the case, but uh, it'll be good to be around family and loved ones in a responsible uh, manner. And I think it drew breeze around Thanksgiving uh, a lot just because of his charity and his, all he's done for the community of New Orleans over the years. And let's do our jock doc today, Dr. Brandon, on Drew Brees. We're talking fractured ribs, a collapsed lung. It was vicious as he didn't see much, uh, any action in the second half against the Niners. And, and Breeze is 41. And man, three fractured ribs on his left side, two on the right. That's uh, also causing damage to his lung. Uh, take me through how this happens, and let's get into recovery because these are probably some of the most painful things you can have happen to you as a quarterback.
7: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you think about the the trauma, the the force that it takes for one of these injuries to develop. I mean, this is essentially a we you know call, we call a high level trauma, car accident type trauma uh, that we typically see, and now you're seeing it in a you know a collision athlete. And so, anatomically speaking, so common term out there, you know, collapsed lung. You know, exactly what does that mean? It's pretty simplistic. Um, in the medical world, the, the term for that's called the pneumothorax. Uh, but essentially what happens is, is the lungs kind of have a naturally uh, um, adhesive layer that adheres up against the chest wall, and so any type of rib type of trauma, you can disrupt that basically layer, and it loses kind of that adhesive factor, and typically this occurs more towards the top part of the lung, and that kind of pulls away from the chest wall, Um, and a part of that, you know, essentially does kind of collapse or pull away from the chest wall, and that's essentially what happens in a collapsed lung, you know, in the majority of cases, obviously there's severe cases where you, you fracture the rib. The rib displaces enough that it actually can you know, protrude or puncture into the lung itself and cause you know, kind of massive bleeding, and that, that's obviously a big issue. And fortunately, didn't happen in this situation. But the big issue with these is obviously extremely painful for listeners out there that have had rib fractures. You know how painful those can be, even one rib fracture. Now you start adding a couple on top, multiples on top of that, leading to a pneumothorax. And obviously an extremely painful injury, and one in which is difficult to get back from, at least initially.
3: Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Drew Brees, his fractured ribs and his collapsed lung. And a lot of times when you when you get jacked like it happens at at quarterback, uh, Dr. Brandon, you're you're those fractures go to other organs. And man, when you when you it's insult to injury here with the, the lung collapse. And I know that you got to inflate the lung back up but that's that's really serious as well and kind of describe if you can dealing with an athlete who's had something like this happen where not only do you have the fracture with the ribs but also then you you pop one of your lungs
7: yeah, absolutely, and so oftentimes a you know, little small, little pneumothorax. That uh, it's debatable whether or not you can or collapse lung. It's debatable or not whether or not you can just kind of leave that alone, let it resolve on its own. And and with smaller ones, that can happen. Um, the other issue that happens here is if you're more aggressive with these, you can actually put like a little needle, or we call a valve, in between the space in between the ribs, the intercostal space. And that can actually kind of decompress the area and allow that uh, lung tissue to kind of adhere back to the chest wall by basically equalizing the pressure. And then ultimately, the, the big thing you have to do in some of these you know, really high-level traumas is actually to place a, a chest tube. So a tube into the chest to pull that lung back over. You'll actually place it onto suction uh, to pull that back up. And that's you your really high-level traumas when patients have you know, multiple rib fractures.
3: Dr. Brandon, let's get into Breeze here. What's, what's a return timeline, in your opinion?
7: Yeah, and so he start tacking on a, a collapsed lung or pneumothorax uh, in this situation. He's probably looking at three or four weeks. Um, you know, a lot of that's pretty variable. It just depends on how well that chest wall kind of adheres, how quick that kind of essentially reinflated, if you will, um, if they did do the decompression part. Uh, but you're probably looking at three or four weeks. And then the big question becomes if, you know, when you do come back, what's obviously the odds of that happening again? Um, it's there. It's it's a risk. You know, I couldn't give you a specific percentage number of, you know, what's the recurrence risk on these. Um, it's not super high um, once it kind of, you know, reinflates, if you will. Um, but the big issue is that is some of these are, are really slow to basically kind of adhere back. And so sometimes those those collapsed lungs will kind of hang out for a while, for a couple of weeks. And so that will be the big factor for him is how quickly that basically pneumothorax resolves. And they feel it's stable. So some are probably around three or four weeks, but it could be as much as six or
3: eight. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Uh, a thought with you on just pain management with fractured ribs. We're not talking one; we're talking five for Drew Brees. How do you get through that? Is it going to be? Is he going to need something beyond Advils? My question. <laughs>
7: yeah absolutely so he's he's probably had the whole cocktail of, of goodies on board with that um you know so obviously there's there's the oral pain medications which of course he's taken some uh, most likely uh one of those that that can be pretty helpful is situations called Tordol. Uh it's kind of a real strong hype. Um, injectable that can be uh, utilized like an anti-inflammatory, you can take it in a pill as well. Uh, Other things they can do is they can do some kind of fancy nerve blocks where they'll put in a block where you can kind of have Uh, Some numbing medication kind of run in over a period of a couple of days. Um, You can also do just kind of an acute block that lasts, you know, a couple of hours, which is probably something they'll think about when he goes back and plays. He's still pretty sore. Lung looks okay. Might be pushing the timetable a little bit. They may think about doing a little rib block that would last, you know, a couple of hours for the game. That's probably something they'll utilize as well, just depending on how quickly or aggressively they want to bring him back.
3: When it comes to the, the protective jacket that you can throw on underneath your pads, the flak jacket, how much does that adhere? The, just the, the, no, the normal motion of throwing the football is, is difficult anyway, even though pads have shrunk over the years. But if you put that jacket on, does it, is it more difficult to deliver the football if you're Drew Brees?
7: Yeah, it is to an extent, um, and especially you know there's varying kind of obviously there's varying levels of, of thickness of those those vests that are out there, um, and so the you know the thicker you go, obviously the more restrictive that becomes. Um, and they're going to try, I would assume to go for the you know thickest, cut padded one for him when he goes back, just because this is going to be a couple months process of healing these things, especially with re- repetitive trauma that happens in football, um, and so yeah, that definitely can impede it. But even just The the rib fractures themselves, depending on where these are, um, you have to think about all the kind of you know chest wall attachments that are there as you kind of you get a little further down off to the side or to the flank of your body, you think about some of the oblique musculature that attaches there. So you think about your quarterbacks, or excuse me, your baseball players that have oblique strain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if this is anywhere near where some of those obliques attach, that also is going to have an impact on what kind of velocity he can generate you know, with the rotational part of his
3: throwing. Dr. Brandon Seiferts with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Drew Breeze. Rib fractures collapsed long, a tough one for the Hall of Famer. Dr. Brandon, will talk Again, thanks for jumping on today. You bet,
7: Chris. You guys take care. Miss us?
0: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. we in for the real thing.
2: We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
3: One final time, hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. So we're talking Indiana-Ohio State. That line's at 20 and a half. Bill Conley's got a pretty good rundown of huge spreads when it's two top tens. Nebraska makes this list quite a bit. 95, Nebraska was favored by 23 and a half over number eight, Kansas State. Well, Nebraska covered 49 mm, 25. Mm. Nebraska tended to cover back in those days. Yeah, Nebraska was number one, favored by 25 over number 10, KU. And they won 41 3. <sighs> Nebraska favorite, and this is one of my favorite games ever, was the Black Friday game 96, Colorado and uh, Nebraska. Nebraska favorite 18, 17 12. Nebraska won in the ice. But no cover no no way, no. they didn't score an offensive touchdown. i don't think. yeah, they got one. they got one. Mm, no I'd say the, the
0: math there would indicate
3: yeah. had a lot of whiskey that game. <laughs> it was a few years ago too. It was cold. <laughs> it was my first my first freshman year. Um, no, I mean you had Colorado with, with Skippy Neuheisel at nine and one. Old Jay Foreman, Greg's partner on the podcast, you got a pick six that game. Not bad.
0: It's a little, I guess, early, but is that you think the? I mean, what, what what's the coldest Husker football game ever? Because I mean, playing so late in I like think December, ever? Year.
3: I think ever was in Boulder, uh, nineteen ninety. One, they tied, and it was like twenty below, and it was a night game kickoff. Oh wow! Yeah, get Dolman cranked up on that one. He was on the sidelines for that. We can talk about him that
0: sometime because I mean, you think with these mid December kickoffs that we got this year that you could maybe rival it, but that sounds brutal.
3: I don't know how windy it was, but it was just foothills. You're on the mountains, and that game you had snowballs being chucked at the game winning field goal for Nebraska. Buffs, they sold, they sold beer as well See, back this, then.
0: This might be recency bias for me, but I think the, the Colts when I went to was that Michigan State game from two years that ago. That was
3: brutal. It was like an Any cold game cold. in Iowa City. Remember my brother and my dad going, oh, this might have been 12, 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Might have been 2013. No. 2011 or 2012. Whenever they were in Iowa City. It was just putridly cold. Nebraska won 13-7. to 7.
0: I remember that game, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That one, what? That was like, I want to say like 10 degrees at kickoff for that one too. I don't know if it was just that, but I think, it, I think, it, was, I
3: think it, was it was the wind. Maybe it was 10 with wind chill, I don't know. Just been horrific. But there's been some cold ones, man. Usually the Nebraska-Oklahoma game, you needed lots of red beer. See, and that's the thing is we're, we're not used to playing regular season games into the month of December. We haven't, se- we haven't seen a mid-December kickoff outside of Memorial Stadium. No, if you're playing in December, it's because you went to a crappy bowl game or your conference title game. It Which, was in a dome. Yeah, I was going to say, usually in a dome. All right. Good work, Elijah. Plenty of hoops today. Plenty of football today. Tomorrow, back at it, getting ready for Nebraska, Illinois, a tail bar city. Thanks for tuning in.